Good afternoon, my fellow ballers. Welcome back to another episode of Ballin' with Tyler Todd. Can I get a you? On this episode, we have football and some baseball action going on. For football, it's upon us, people. Week one. And we already had our first regular season game last night. The Dallas Cowboys and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers face off for the first regular season game of the entire year. The Buccaneers would win 31-21. to And yeah, they look like they're back in Super Bowl form again. And they gave Tom Brady too much time to win this game. Goat mode activated. Come on, Cowboys, you know better. I don't like the Cowboys, but if you give Tom Brady a minute and 24 seconds left on the clock and he's down, he's going to win the game. That's been a proven statistic throughout his whole career. And yes, he's literally the most clutch man we've seen in the NFL period. But anyway, regardless of that game, that was the first one, which was last night. But for the football coverage right here, I'm going to talk about basically the predictions for all the games that are coming up this, basically this Sunday. So our first crop of games, the first week of football officially, which is really cool. So obviously my prediction for that one was Buccaneers 31, excuse me, 31-21. I said the score wrong. So my prediction was Buccaneers 31-21. But the actual score was 31-29. So, hey, pretty close. Pretty crazy. But, so, yeah, that's how that game ended up. I mean, Tampa Bay looked good. Dallas looks good. It's finally cool to see Dak Prescott back, even though I'm not a Cowboys fan. It, I mean, I'm a I'm a players fan, and he's, he's, you know, he's cool. He's a very likable guy, and it sucked that he had to have his season end with his knee just getting absolutely blown out. So, it's cool to see him back in the mix. Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, everyone looked like in the mix getting it done. So, yeah, it just the Cowboys just happened to face a very clutch Tom Brady in week one in one of the worst time slots in scenarios in the game. So they just unfortunately lost the game, but it looked promising, both teams. So for the next game on the list, which all these are going to be on Sunday and then Monday, obviously Monday Night Football for the first Monday Night Football game of the year. But looking at Sunday right here, another game, the New York Jets at Carolina Panthers. So Sunday's matchup between the Jets and Carolina Panthers features two unproven quarterbacks in new settings with rookie number two overall pick Zach Wilson attempting to resurrect a Jets team that covered just six spreads in 2020 and former Jets number three overall pick Sam Darnold trying to save his career for a Panther squad that won just five games, five games last season. It's not very good. And the Jets were also just two and six on the road in 2020, but the Panthers were just two and six at home. At least all five of their whims came by five plus points. So I don't know. It's very, they both of the teams are in a very awkward spot to say the least. And they need help. And maybe basically not even swapping positions because they're not swapping. Darnold just left and then the Jets took Wilson. So maybe just the new, the new scenery for Darnold will help. Cause I always thought even though USC, Oh yeah. You know, they got this new quarterback and they've always been, this is going to be quarterback school, and the guys never pan out ever. Brady Quinn, all those guys. I, I'm literally draw. I'm literally drawing a blank when I'm trying to name all of them. But um, I'm trying to think. Brady Quinn, Christian Ponder, Mark Sanchez, Carson Palmer probably was the only one that was actually good. And then you have Sam Darnold, and then there's I think there's one more that I'm missing that's really going to bother me, but. Pretty much those are the ones I know of that like everyone's like, oh, they're going to be so good at the next level. And they were absolutely horrible. So hopefully Darnold just gets a new fresh start in Carolina and just, you know, clean slate, bro. You still have a lot of time left in your career. And then Zach Wilson, obviously a lot to prove. 
Number two overall pick. It's a big weight on your shoulders, and especially for a team that needs quarterback help immediately. Like, really bad. That's why they drafted Darnold to be the future, and that didn't work out. So, hey, Wilson, you're up next. So, let's let's not destroy your career. So, we'll see. My prediction for this one is the Panthers win 27-20. to Next game, the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Buffalo Bills. Easily one of the hottest games from Sunday's early slate features two teams going in opposite directions. The Buffalo Bills win total shot up from 6 in 2018 to 10 in 2019 and then 13 in 2020. While the Pittsburgh Steelers lost five of their last six regular season and playoff games before going through pretty much just hell in the offseason. It was just a lot of a lot of stuff was going on with the organization. And for the Bills, went 7-3 at home despite a lack of fans for much of the 2020 campaign. Now it'll be a full house as they attempt to make a statement right off the bat. And yeah. They're, the Bills are a very good team. I, I think they're the team, again, to go to the Super Bowl, just like I thought they were last year. And they almost got there last year, and it's a bummer that they didn't. But I think they're very capable. The Bills are very good, and I believe that they will win this game 28-17. to 17. State, Pittsburgh's good, but I just really don't think they – they just, like, spend a lot of money and just, like, get random guys to come play there that are, like, 50 years old and <laughs> don't do anything anymore and are in the twilight of their career. So, I don't know. I've never been a Steelers fan because they always give the Chargers problems when I was growing up. So, yeah, salty Charger fan per usual. <laughs> I can never let it go. Next on the list, San Francisco 49ers at the Detroit Lions. This is obviously a very weird game. So, there's a scary unknown element with the Lions who can be motivated to hang at home for the inspiring Campbell. But the talent gap is indeed huge here, and the 49ers head coach Kyle Shanahan should have fun with the Detroit defense that ranked dead last in defensive adjusted value over average. It's bad in 2020 and doesn't look any better off defensively right now. Aside from that, though, you might want to ignore most 2020-related trends. With these teams, the Lions have a whole new look with Jared Goff, which is so strange. While the 49ers were one of the most injury-ravaged teams in the NFL last year, and they just drafted a quarterback in the first round, Trey Lance. So, I don't know. Both teams' future are just kind of up in the air at the moment. That's the thing is, with Frisco, it's they're the same team. Oh, we're going to be good this year. I mean, I, I I can say that too. I always say that about my Chargers because usually we are supposed to be good every year and then some stuff happens where we're not good. So, like, I am going to continue saying that, but the Niners are really good, but they just always get hurt just like the Chargers. They always are injured. But I so believe they will win this game because the Lions are literally just – the Detroit Lions – Next to the Houston Texans are one of the worst football teams in the league. I don't care what anyone says. They are so awful. No one wants to play there. The logo is rad and the colors are cool, but no one wants to play in Detroit. The city just is, and no one, the team just blows. They've, they've, they've been bad for years. Like they've been horrible for years. I don't know. I can't recall the last time they went to the playoffs. Like I really can't. Like Matt Stafford was there his whole career. I don't think they went one time with him. Like that's how bad they are. And, yeah, I don't know. Jared, Jared Goff is going to ruin the second half of his career, pretty much. But I predict the 49ers will win 30-17. to 17. I don't think the Lions will even come close to beating them. <clears throat> Next on the list, the Jacksonville Jaguars at the Houston Texans. Houston's the worst football team in the league. But few teams are expected to do less this season than the Jacksonville Jaguars. But one of them is the Houston Texans. Literally what I just said. They are so awful. They are just garbage garbage they're literally garbage they literally have so many problems they never get the right players and when they do they just let them go deandre hopkins trade jj watt signing 
And now Deshaun Watson dealing with all those allegations. That's strike three, you're out, dude. Okay, that's so... Those are three Hall of Fame players right there, and they're all gone now. Oh, we're going to go this route, or we're going to do this. They're just so stupid, so... In a perfect world, Texans can possibly beat Jacksonville this year. But Jacksonville has a lot of question marks of their own. New rookie quarterback first overall. Will he be able to lead the team his first year? We'll see. He's really good, and he's going to be very good for a long time. Urban Meyer's making the shift up to NFL. Will he be ready to lead a team to a victory week one? We don't know. In Jacksonville, they're not a very, you know, on paper, good-looking team. They don't really have a lot of standout guys. Maybe on defense, but yeah, both both teams are a little, little up in the air. But I still, yeah, I, I don't know. My my prediction is Jaguars twenty four, Texas twenty three. I don't, and that's a crapshoot. It could be either team. That really is. That's that's one prediction I don't very feel comfortable with because I don't know. They're they're both bad. Like I, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> I am, I'm speechless. Next on the list. The Seattle Seahawks at the Indianapolis Colts. This is going to be, I think, going to be a very interesting game. Russell Wilson is going to do his thing. I mean, he's just so good. Like, he just never slows down. And the defense is decent. The offense will be okay as long as Russell Wilson obviously, you know, has protection, which has been the biggest issue for him the entire time he's been in Seattle's getting thrown down and sacked so many times. I remember I did that on one of my episodes, talked about him. He was, he is the most sacked quarterback I don't remember what year, but the most sacked quarterback through like 15 or 16 in the Seattle Seahawks have never done anything to address it ever. He gets hurt. I mean, he doesn't get hurt. He just gets beat up a lot. So I can't remember if they addressed anything in the offseason to get the line working, but they really, I hope they did because he really needs it. Because he's, dude, he's legit. He's he's for sure going to be a Hall of Famer to me. He's, he's very good. One of the best dual threat quarterbacks in the league. For the Colts. I mean, they have Carson Wentz now behind center. I just, I don't really know how I, how I feel about him anymore. But the team has a decently a decently good defense. They have a very good offensive line. The run game is pretty solid. So they're just one of the middle middle of the pack teams that could, that could be very scary or that could flop easily. They're very right in the middle, like I just said. <laughs> and I predicted the Colts will win just by a sheer margin, 27 to 26. But that's if everything goes as planned, like, Pretty much everything goes in their favor, but we'll see. Next on the list, the Arizona Cardinals at the Tennessee Titans. This, yeah, this game, I I, I don't know. This is a tough one, too, because both these teams are so good. Like, it, I don't know. The Cardinals' offense is very good. The defense is slowly getting there. The Titans' offense in their run game is so good. So, 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 so good. Literally the best running offense in the league. Last year, year before that. And I think will happen again this year. They're just, they're just nasty, dude. They have that mean mentality of playing ground pound football, and they make it work. I don't know, but for the Cardinals, they haven't been consistently reliable under Kingsbury and Kyler Murray. While the Titans continue to deliver, they also have the top matchup edge with the aforementioned offense core facing a soft defense, and they're the host with the full stadium against a team from two time zones over. So benefits right there, but. Yeah, the car. I mean, both. The, I don't. I don't know how they're soft defenses. They're both very, both very good. I don't know. It's very, <laughs> it's very, it's very up in the air. But I have the Titans winning twenty-eight to twenty-four over the Cardinals. And the next one on the list, my Los Angeles Chargers at the Washington Football Team. So, obviously, the Chargers are traveling to the uh, to the East Coast in this one. So that is obviously going to be gnarly. But I, I'm ready. 
I'm ready to see the Chargers win some games and actually do something. Like, the defense is okay this year. We did lose, like, a lot of, like, our core pieces. Melvin Ingram's gone. Casey Hayward's gone. That sucks because two of the, they were so legit. We lost Denzel Perryman. All three of those guys were legit, but we do have a good young, really young, good group of guys in the linebacking room. And then the secondary is pretty solid. Obviously, we have Derwin James, who's really good. We have Michael Davis, Nasir Adderley. list goes on. We have a ton of other guys as well. The defensive line, we still have Joey Bosa, Jerry Tillery, Linval Joseph. Yeah, a lot of guys. Justin Jones. So defense is promising. And then the offense, revamp the whole offensive line because that needed to be done. And now we have one of the better ones in the league. Justin Herbert's ready for year two. I'm really excited to see what he does with an actual line that can protect him because he won rookie of the year last year with no protection. So I'm very excited to see what he'll do. And Washington, I'm not going to say they're bad in that Chargers and that the Chargers will just steamroll over them. Like part of me wants to believe that, but I mean, dude, they went to the playoffs last year. I mean, yes, they played in a horrible division, but they still made the playoffs. They're a playoff team. The defense is you know, it's good. And the offense isn't bad either. They have some serious weapons on the offense with Terry McLaughlin. And then they have Chase Young on the defense. So they have the good star pieces on both sides of the ball. And then they have Ryan Fitzpatrick under under center, who is practically going to need a diaper and a cane to get out in the field because the guy's <laughs> guy has been playing for so long. It's crazy. I don't know how he still finds he's able to find a job. But both on paper, they look good. But I have my Chargers slightly edging them out 24-17. to 17. I don't think it's going to – I want it to be a blowout. And obviously, I, I truthfully, I want it to happen. But I have to be smart and I have to be realistic. And the Redskins are a team not like, oh, so scary, but they're not just a team that's going to let you walk away with the win. Like, a team that's going to do that is the, is the Texans. <laughs> They'll just let you walk away with the game or the Lions. But not the not the Redskins. Or sorry, No, excuse me. Washington football team. Excuse me. So, I don't know. Chargers taking it by a slight margin, and I'm just ready for the season to get going, man. I, I love talking about football, and it's about time it's upon us because baseball's ending soon, and I'm sad. <laughs> That's it for that game. Next is the Minnesota Vikings at the Cincinnati Bengals. The Vikings might have been better than the Bengals last season, but the Vikings still won just seven games, and unlike Cincy, they didn't lose their franchise quarterback in the first half of the season. That's who I'm excited to see is Joe Burrow and really what he's going to do when he comes back because he has this receiver from LSU. That is so rad. They drafted his running partner at LSU, his number one receiver, and now he's there in Cincinnati with him. I, I just there's so many things that are gonna come from that. It's so rad. And the Vikings for me, I've I mean Kirk Cousins is under center. I always thought he was good. I always just felt he got a bad rap because he played for the Redskins when they were the Redskins for like his whole career, and they're awful, dude. Like they never gave him any help. And he's always, always been under the radar. Huge arm. Literally would just if you give him protection, he's a lot like Ryan Tannehill in the sense that they're just like above average quarterbacks. They're both very underrated, but they're not like star quarterbacks. But if you give them a line that can block for them, they will produce. And the Vikings can do that. Kirk Cousins can do that if you give him some time. And they have Dalvin Cook. Like you have a good little one-two piece right there. Like you don't even have to trip. And their defense is still solid too. So that's the thing is Kirk Cousins is a very good quarterback. He's very underrated. He has he has been his whole career, and he plays with a chip on his shoulder, and he, he's good. When you give him time, he can really make a difference in the game. So the Vikings, I, I like the Vikings more so than the Bengals in this game. The Bengals still have a lot of work to be done, 
but they have made very good steps in the franchise to get things in the right direction. Drafting the franchise quarterback, giving him a number one target, and now work on the O-line, get some solid star star guys on defense, maybe bring in some veterans in the offseason, you're good. You will start to win from there. And they've done that so far. So it's going to be a very interesting game, but I have the Vikings winning just by one point, 24-23. Next game, the Eagles at the Falcons. Battled birds, is that, that's it's what I call it. The Atlanta Falcons have been a thorn in the Eagles' side for a long time. And yeah, Jalen Hurts completed just 52% of his passes in 2020. And while the Eagles have a decent front seven defensively, the secondary isn't scaring anyone. Philly covered just a single spread as a road team in 2020. That is garbage. The Falcons are the safer playing yet another potentially traumatizing game involving Matt Ryan and company. I had the Falcons winning 27 to 23. It's just so weird to think that the Falcons at one point, they were in the Super Bowl playing Tom Brady. Like they were they were that good. And then just a year later, they just imploded. And then the Eagles, they're the same way. Went to the Super Bowl and beat Tom Brady. And that team's just gone, dispersed. They are nowhere to be found. And they basically, the Falcons and the Eagles are one and the same, but not but I have to give this little preface about the Falcons. The Eagles are not blowing games like the Falcons were last year. Oh, my gosh. And like the Chargers. Falcons blew so many games last year. It was embarrassing to watch. And same for the Chargers. Multiple games losing by three, four, five, six, seven points in the last couple minutes of each game. You could have a record that's above 500 if you literally just close out those games. But poor coaching. Just not happening. And teams in the, in the defense or the offense giving up. So I don't know. I saw the Falcons beating the Eagles because the Eagles have a long way, dude, to go. They're they're in a rebuild, and I don't know how long it's going to take for them to get out of it. It's going to yes, they have the quarterback now. They have Jalen Hurts, who they're moving forward with. But I don't know, man. It's it's going to be a long one. <laughs> Next is the Miami Dolphins at the New England Patriots. New England Patriots weren't their di- di- obviously their dyna- their dynasty selves last year at all but they still went one and one in their season series with the quickly emerging Miami Dolphins outscoring Miami by a double digit margin in their meeting at Gillette Stadium both teams improved this offseason but the Pats did a lot more than Miami on paper put it all together and yeah New England I think is going to win by a small margin very small so Mac Jones he he's it he's he's got the starting job because Cam Newton is gone so he's He's going to be a mystery as a starting quarterback, and he's a rookie. But you can still say the same thing about second-year Dolphins quarterback, Tua Tagovailoa. Like, oh my gosh. In limited action last year, he was not very good. So I don't know. Those are the two question marks for this game. But I have the Patriots winning 24-20. Very small margin. Next on the list, Cleveland Browns at Kansas City Chiefs. This game is going to be awesome. Maybe an early AFC championship game. The Kansas City Chiefs might remain the favorite to go to the Super Bowl in the AFC pretty much every year, them and the Bills. But few view the continually improving Cleveland Browns as a team that is significantly far off. Cleveland also didn't lose by more than a score in any of its last seven road games in a breakout 2020 campaign, which has a slim majority of winning a six-point spread. And they're saying it's too much for the matchup with Kansas City on Sunday at Arrowhead. Chiefs win still by three points, 30-27 to in my opinion. Both teams are good. Both teams are good on offense. Really explosive on offense. Both teams' defense could use some work. Maybe I'd give the defense slight edge to Cleveland because Kansas City hasn't had a defense for a long time. Long, long, long time. Ever since Patrick Mahomes has shut up, their defense has been subpar. And they still go games. They still go games. <laughs> they still go out there, and they win games and go to the Super Bowl. It's insane. 
blows me away. I don't know how it happens. Next on the list, the Green Bay Packers at the Saints. The talk last offseason was that Green Bay Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers would enter the year fired up to make a point after his team using a first-round draft pick on another signal caller. Sure enough, Rodgers lit up his first four opponents, including the defensively stout New Orleans Saints, to the tune of 13 touchdown passes to zero interceptions and 128.4 passer rating. Yeah, the guy is going to cuck up the Saints defense again. In New Orleans, man, they're another team too. Like I said, the defense is still very good, but the offense, Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill, yeah, I don't know if that's going to lead you in any wins. You still have Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas, which are amazing offensive pieces to have, but that those two quarterbacks behind center, not feeling too comfortable about winning a lot of games. So I have the Packers winning this one in the big one, 31-17 over the Saints. Next game, Denver Broncos at New York Giants. There's three left, so this is one of three more games left. Broncos are good, man. I, this is another team, too. If they just had, I've said it so many times, and I will say it because it needs, I want it to be spoken to existence so it can happen. Like the life juices can hear me out there, life spirits. The Denver Broncos need to get a quarterback that is at least above sub, subpar, above average. Like they literally need to because they literally would win games. Their defense is so nasty, and they have so many good position playmakers. They literally could be so much better than their previous records indicate. They could be so much better, but they don't because John Elway doesn't want to invest in a quarterback. But they made significant personal changes, significant personal changes this offseason, but the Giants didn't shake things up at quarterback, and neither did the Broncos. And Daniel Jones has a higher ceiling than Bridgewater. Oh, duh. Bridgewater is, like, done with his career. Like, duh. He's also he's also now got more support than ever, although it's far from Davenport and Kenyon to wonder if the group can come together quickly enough following an injury, injury marred season. I saw the, I had the Giants winning by just one point, 21 to 20, but the Broncos, th- that's why they're going to lose games, and that's why I think they're going to lose this game because they, they just don't have that edge at quarterback. They're just, that is one of the most important things in football. You have to have a good signal caller, and they don't have that. You have Teddy Bridgewater, who's a glorified backup, and you have Drew Locke, who's year three or four. Oh, he's the future. He has not done anything, anything, anything in the years he's been in Denver. And it's upsetting because I bet if you're a Denver fan, it's very hard to watch football. Like it's been for me being a Charger fan, watching Charger football my whole life. It is upsetting seeing so many things go not finished. So many things being failed. It's very frustrating. And the Broncos are there. They're right there. But the problem is, too, they play in the AFC West with the Raiders, the Chargers, and the Chiefs, which is arguably the best division in football when all teams are playing at their peak. And they have been playing for a while, so it's tough. That's a very that's a very tough game for me to call. Next on the list, two of three, Chicago Bears at Los Angeles Rams. To me, this game is going to be all about Justin Fields and Matt, and Matt Stafford. It's going to be the quarterback matchup. Both teams in brand new places, a rookie quarterback with a lot to prove, and a city that is backing him up already which is rad. They already like Fields. And Stafford, I mean, he doesn't have anything to prove. Stafford has a huge arm. We know what he's capable of. Big, big explosive offense. Heavy, heavy passing offense when he was in Detroit. So it can it can be remade in Los Angeles. But this game, I had the Rams winning 28-17. to The Rams' defense is still amazingly good. Obviously, the head coach of the Chargers, Brandon Steely, he was the defensive coordinator for the Rams last year. Literally the number one defense in the NFL last year. They pretty much didn't really, they really didn't lose any of those guys. They're all on the field still. They're still on that defense. So it's going to be hard for Justin Fields being a rookie to really put up some serious numbers against that defense because they're going to be coming after him, breaking in the rookie week one. And then as for Stafford, has a decent line to protect him, has a good run offense. 
really good offensive weapons. Deshaun Jackson, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup. He's good, man. It's going to be good. It's going to be a really fun offensive game for them. And I still, yeah, like I said, I they are going to beat the Bears because Bears defense, yeah, it's it's solid. It's been good for a couple years now, but I don't think it's going to be able to handle what's going on with Los Angeles. And the last game, the first Monday night game of the year, the Baltimore Ravens at the Las Vegas Raiders. Probably one of the easier predictions to make for week one is Baltimore is just going to smoke Las Vegas. Like I I think I just said Oakland, but Las Vegas. They're, the Raiders are horrible, dude. They The Raiders have lost six of their last seven at home. And it's just not very promising. They're very even with John Gruden, Derek Carr is coming back. Oh, we got Josh Jacobs. We got you know Darren Waller. Offense is good. Yeah, well, defense is horrible. Okay, the defense is awful, and the offense is average. Even when the guys are all slinging, it's average. So my prediction: Ravens thirty-one, Raiders twenty, and that is it, folks. Those are all the Week One predictions for NFL. That was a lot of games. It felt like that took forever. Yeah, that took twenty-four minutes to talk about. That was pretty incredible, but. It's going to be um, week one, finally. Football is upon us. But also, what that mean? What that means is football starting is that something else has to end, and that's baseball. So moving on to baseball, it's sad. It's getting really close to being over. I love me some baseball, and it's sad. I don't want, I don't want baseball to end because my Padres have had a very up-and-down season, and it's gnarly to talk about them. But So right now, Again, going back to the power rankings, is it's one of the I just like covering the power rankings in baseball because it's one of the more fun things to do because it shows the state of baseball and how things are fluctuating. And now, with little over a month remaining in the season, it, it has a lot of implica- implications for the playoffs. It's a big deal. So as of right now, before we start the power rankings, so everyone can get a general idea of the NL wild card and the AL wild card race right now, right now. So first for the National League. Is the Dodgers in the first spot for the NL Wild Card at 88 and 53? Second spot is the Padres at 74 and 65. In third, the Reds at 74 and 67, a game a game out from the Padres from second. In fourth, the St. Louis Cardinals at 71 and 68. There are three games out, and then fifth, the Philadelphia Phillies at 71 and 69. They're three and a half games out. So that is the current NL Wild Card race right now. The Giants are in first in the NL West. But for the wild card, that's it right there. Those five teams. So those five teams are battling. Dodgers aren't battling. They're fine. But it's the Padres and every team below every team below aforementioned. They are going to be chasing for that spot. So that's why it's important to hear this. And for the AL wild card, the Red Sox in first in the first wild card spot. At 80 and 62, the Yankees in second at 78 and 62. The Blue Jays at 77 and 62. Their half game out. And then tied for fourth is the A's and the Mariners at 76 and 64. So look how close all those, both of the wildcard races are. So now going into the power rankings, just keep that in mind how important all this stuff is. So the Dodgers, this is the top 15 for the power rankings. So the Dodgers are in first for the power rankings. Previous ranking was first, their record 88 and 52. The Dodgers are without Trevor Bauer, Clayton Kershaw, Dustin May, and Tony Gonsolin, and yet they employ. Two guys who could realistically take the two top spots in NL signing award voting. Max Scherzer, who has a 1.05 ERA, 63 strikeouts, five walks in 43 innings since joining the Dodgers. Oh, and then Walker Buehler, 2.31 ERA, 0.94 whip in 28 starts this season, have been two of the best performers in the sport this season, hands down. Those two, alongside Julio Urias and Kershaw, who have pitched three innings in a rehab start Tuesday, give the Dodgers a devastating postseason rotation 
And the thing is, you the question is, who would you who among those guys would you start in the wild card spot? Like, literally, you know, pick the barn, put everything in the kitchen sink, and then look. Like, you seriously have so many guys to choose from. It's unbelievable. Next on the list, the Giants, not being one for the first time, not being first. Record of ninety and fifty. Their previous ranking was second, and they still are second. The Giants' season can basically be summed up by their highly anticipated weekend series against the rival Dodgers. Yeah, pretty much. They were languishing while the Dodgers were surging, seemingly on the verge of taking control of the division and establishing themselves as the best team in the sport. They still are not, in my opinion. But the Giants won two of three, entering Labor Day with the one-game lead in the NL West. They found a way, and they've done it all year by matching up in their bullpen, platooning in their lineup, maximizing value with their starting pitchers, and extracting greatness from their aging veterans. And they've done that, man. They've been playing great baseball year, and I'm not going to deny that, but I still don't believe that they are going to beat the Dodgers in a wild card series. I, I, I Like, they get that week off, whatever. They're not, I mean, actually, they're not going to play them, excuse me, because if they if the Giants win the division, they're going to play whoever wins the wild card. So that's Dodgers. And if the Padres, you know, stay in that second spot, then it's Dodger-Padres. And then, yeah, we'll go from there. But I don't know. I still just, I'm not sold yet. I'm really not sold. I want to see a really, I want to see a playoff series. What means a lot more than just a regular season series. Next in the power rankings is the Tampa Bay Rays at three, a record of 88 and 52. And their previous ranking was three, so they have not moved. They've stayed consistent in that spot. So Wander Franco continues settling into life in the big leagues, passing Mickey Mantle for the second longest on-base streak for players age 20 or younger with 37 games. The dude's going to be so good for forever. It's incredible. He now trades. Sorry, excuse me. He now trails Frank Robinson, who got on base in 43 straight games in 1956. In 60 games at the major league level, Franco is hitting or slashing 285, 346, 467 with seven homers as the Rays continue their march toward the AL East crown. Yeah, I just feel like pitching is like really the only big question mark with them. They have everything else. Next on the list is the Milwaukee Brewers at four, a record of 86 and 55, a previous ranking of five, so they have moved up. Milwaukee's magic number will soon be down to single digits. That's the good news. Now, the Brewers just had to get starter Freddie Peralta back in midseason form. He pitched two innings in his first start out the IL, so there's room for improvement. Manager Craig Council said the plan was to ease him in slowly. Peralta's status is one of the few big issues for the Brewers as they prepare for October, considering they've been on top of the division for months. Infielder Eduardo Escobar had a good week, 333 at the plate after returning from his own IL stint. So the Brewers are good, man. I still think they're like they're the most under-the-radar team in the National League for me. That is going to make a big impact once they get into the playoffs. Next on the list is the Houston Astros at 5, a record of 81-58 and 58 with the previous ranking of 4, so they have moved down one spot. For most of the season, the Astros started Miles Straw in center field. He played pretty well, and then got traded to Cleveland. So Houston plugged in Chase McCormick. He played pretty well. Moved over to right field for a spell because of injuries and then got hurt as well. So it was rookie Jake Myers' turn, and he has played so well that it looks like Myers is going to see a lot of time in October. Over his first 29 games, Myers has slashed 315, 340, and 511 while posting positive defensive numbers. He hasn't walked much, so you wonder if some regression is on the horizon. But so far, the free swinging has been working out well for Myers. And Houston's another one, dude. They could go all the way again, man. They literally have pitching. Hitting, defense, power, speed, con they got everything. And the Yeah, they're cheaters, though. That's the only problem. <laughs> Next on the list at six, the Chicago White Sox with a record of 80 and 59 with the previous ranking of seven. 
A question emerged as the second half progressed about who would be left out of the postseason rotation given the consistency and durability of the White Sox five primary starters. The answer didn't seem likely to be Dallas Keuchel, who is who is by far Chicago's highest paid pitcher and has the longest postseason track record on the staff. Also, Keuchel's season has unraveled, going from so-so to pretty terrible. Keuchel has given up six runs in each in each of his past four starts and owns a 7.44 ERA over nine second-half starts. Things have gotten so bad that even if, say, Carlos Rondon's shoulder woes continue, it's possible that resurgent righty Reynaldo Lopez might be a better pick to fill out the playoff rotation than Keuchel. Suffice to say, the veteran lefty needs to turn things around fast, and that is very true because, again, pitching is the one of the biggest is one of the biggest things in the postseason. You need to have it, and if it's not there, you're really going to struggle. Next on the list is the New York Yankees, a record of 78 and 61 with the previous ranking of six. The Yankees currently sit atop the wild card standings, but the blows keep coming. Actually, they don't sit atop the wild card standings. <laughs> the Red Sox do. The, the Yankees are second. The injury to set up the setup man Jonathan Loazega repre- represents a big blow to the team's bullpen core, which has struggled this season with consistency and quality in the ninth inning. Loazega has been the most valuable reliever in the AL this year with a 2.2 WAR, tied for the lead in all of baseball with Brewers reliever Josh Hader. The Yankees are good, man. I feel it's crazy that I changed my mind on them because, I mean, at the midpoint, the trade deadline, they were like a 500 team or like a game under 500. People didn't even think they're going to make the playoffs. Ah, oh, just quit. You make a couple big moves, you're right back in it. And they are. Good for them. Next on the list at eight, the Atlanta Braves, a record of 73-65, and 65, previous ranking of eight. They have not moved. The Braves signed Travis Denard to a two-year, $16 million extension and Charlie Morton to a one-year, $20 million extension. Both moves make perfect sense. The Braves struggled to get any offense from catcher after Denard injured his thumb earlier in the offseason, and this offseason crop of free agent catchers is weak. Morton has been terrific at age 37, 13-5 record, 3.47 ERA, 185 strikeouts, and his velocity is actually up from recent seasons, averaging 95.5 miles per hour with his fastball. 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 Plus, he's headed for his third straight season of 30-plus starts. That's pretty awesome, man, for a 37-year-old. dude. That's pretty killer that they're doing that. The Braves are another one, man. They're just... They're like right in the pocket, dude. I don't know. It's very it's very weird for them. The Blue Jays in the ninth spot, a record of 76 and 62, a previous ranking of 11. The Blue Jays won't just go just won't go away. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. became the youngest player in Toronto franchise history to tally a 40 homer season, while Marcus Simeon continues having the best season of his career, a bounce back from struggles during 2020. If Boston goes on a losing streak and the Blue Jays catch fire at the right time, Toronto could find itself in playoff games come October. They're there, man. I still want to see them go, and I think that it's very possible that they will. They're they're just such a rad team to watch. The games are always exciting when you see them playing. Next on the list, the Boston Red Sox at 10, with a record of 80-62 and 62 with the previous ranking of 9. Boston continues to cling to the second wildcard slot. Alex Cora has struggled to find consistent production from the leadoff spot throughout the season, but put trade deadline addition Kyle Schwarber there and he has flourished since returning from injury. With Boston, Schwarber is hitting 325, 450, 550 with four homers and 19 runs scored in 22 games. The Red Sox will need to watch their backs with the Blue Jays creeping up the standings and challenging them for the wild card. Yeah, pretty much. It's going to be a battle between those two and the Yankees. Those three right there, it's going to be the big ones. 
And my Padres at the 11th spot, a record of 74 and 65 with the previous ranking of 13. So moving up two spots is good. As the Padres make a push for the second NL wildcard spot down the stretch in the midst of a grueling schedule, they finally starting they are finally starting to see Blake Snell, the Blake Snell they anticipated. Snell, who struggled to pitch deep in the games for most of the season's first four months, held the Angels hitless until the last out of the seventh inning Tuesday and didn't allow a base runner through the first six. The Padres ultimately lost that night, but Snell, taken out after seven no-hit innings against the Diamondbacks on August 31st, has a 1.85 ERA over his past seven starts with 65 strikeouts and 14 walks and 43rd and two-third innings pitched. So finally, trading all those guys away to get him, and he's finally showing, you know, showing what he's worth. And yeah, it's going to be tough for the Padres, man. I mean, I still think they're playoff caliber, but it's going to be really hard to get there because... A lot of teams are playing good at the right time. And the Padres, God, that month of August, was it was tough to watch them. I don't think I really watched any games during the month of August for them. So, I don't know. They're very capable of winning. They just have to figure it out on offense, too. It's not just about pitching. Next on the list is the Oakland A's at 12, record of 75-64, and 64, a previous ranking of 10. Oakland faces a tough road to the playoffs after getting swept by the Blue Jays. The A's are now looking up at Toronto, Boston, and division rival Seattle in the playoff standings. Starling Marte continues to look like one of the best trade deadline additions in baseball, stealing 21 bases since joining Oakland in July. Yeah, Marte could become the first player ever to finish in the top 10 stolen bases in both leagues, ranking fifth in the AL and fourth in the National League. Yeah, um, that's crazy, okay? That's pretty insane <laughs> to do that. Oakland's got it, man. They're very capable of going as well. It's just a matter of if they can tough out the schedule. Next on the list is Seattle Mariners at 13. Record of 76 and 64, a previous ranking of 16. The Mariners lead the majors with 28 wins in their final at bat, so it makes sense that JP Crawford, Kyle Seeger, and Ty France ranked 4, 5, and 11 in the clutch stat at Fangraphs. The definition is a little misleading as it doesn't necessarily say who the best hitters are in high leverage situations, but who improves the most compared to their overall numbers. Still, all three have been clutch. Crawford has hit 355 in high leverage at bats, 214 in low leverage. Seager has an 817 OPS in high leverage, 975 in medium leverage, and 542 in low leverage. And France has a 1.023 OPS in high leverage. Those are all huge numbers to have. And those are all three good players to have. And it's cool to see the Mariners actually making a push for the playoffs, man. It'd be cool to see them get in there. Next on the list is Cincinnati Reds at 14, a record of 74 and 67, with the previous ranking of 12. Oof, dropping down two spots. Cincinnati has a great record against sub-500 teams, which makes its recent stumbles against the Tigers and Cubs more glaring. Locked in a tight wildcard race, the Reds can't afford many letdowns. They'll have to play on without the services of all-star Jesse Winker, who is recovering from an intercoastal ribcage injury. The ribs... The ribs? <laughs> yes, the ribs. The, the team. The Reds don't believe it's serious, but the team's strength is their lineup. Without Winker, it has been more inconsistent. It doesn't help that Joey Votto was in a slump when previously he wasn't. He's slashing 200, 294, and 333 over the past seven days. Yeah, they're slowly slipping out of that wild card spot. And last on the list is the Philadelphia Phillies at 15, a record of 71 and 68, a previous ranking of 14. Aaron Nola's strange, frustrating season continued in Tuesday's 10 0 loss to the Brewers when he allowed three runs in five innings to see his ERA climb to 4.57. Nola has averaged 10.96 Ks per nine. Out of 102 pitchers to qualify for the ARA title and average at least 10.5 Ks per nine. So he's above that, which is nuts. Only seven of those pitchers finished with an ERA over four, including Robbie Ray twice. Nola, Nola's is third worst on the list behind Ray in 2016 
and Michael Pineda the same year. The big problem for Nola, he's allowed a 291 average and a 500 slugging percentage with runners in scoring position. So when the clutch comes up, you're not. And Phillies are, you know, paying the price for that. And all the wild card teams, but that's it for all the power, the power rankings. But briefly, yeah, all the teams in the NL wild card, it's going to be, it's, I think the race there is more tight than it is in the American League. There's a lot of teams that have a lot to lose in the National League. I'm, it's crazy, man. Baseball is just getting right down to the wire. And football starting. And that's the best part. The first weekend with football that counts toward a winning or losing record. So with that being said, I'm checking out for today. And go check out some weekend football. So thank you to all my ballers who tuned in for this week. Enjoy your sports-filled weekend. I will see you all Tuesday at 11 a.m. Peace out.